a production of WordSouth, a content marketing company. Story Connect, the podcast, helping communicators discover ideas to shape their stories and connect with their customers. What can you do if your telco gets hit with a ransomware attack? That's what we'll be talking about on this episode of Story Connect the Podcast. My name is Andy Johns with Word South, and I'm joined on this episode by Kevin Beyer, who is the CEO and General Manager of Federated Telephone in Chicago, Minnesota, and Farmers Mutual uh, Telephone in Bellingham, Minnesota. Kevin, thanks for joining me. You're welcome. So, um, Kevin, I, I appreciate you being on. Uh, this is kind of a topic we hadn't really gotten into on this podcast before, um, but something that, unfortunately, you guys have a little bit of experience in. I know that when we had talked earlier, you guys experienced a ransomware attack. So if you don't mind, just kind of give us the high level. Uh, what was that and what did it, you know, what did it do to the telco there? So, yeah, back in June, uh, we uh, was a Sunday, received a call. Uh, from my IT supervisor that we were in the midst of uh, what looked like an attack on our network. And he was wondering if I had outsourced someone to probe into our network and uh, simulate an attack to test our systems, which he was sad to hear that I had not done that. Um, uh, right. We, uh, we found out that uh, there was a ransomware attack uh, going on. In other words, they were encrypting uh, our networks so that we would not be able to access any of the data or files uh, inside of our networks. And uh, he immediately after that conversation called all of the staff that he could get a hold of uh, to go in and start uh, turning down machines and unplugging machines if they couldn't uh, access them to turn them down to uh, limit the amount of exposure we would have to the attack. I'm sure that was not a call um, that, that you wanted to get or that, that he wanted to place. Uh, so what when when these have gone on and it's been some of the headlines when a ransomware attack will hit a city government and sometimes that has gone on for um, for weeks uh, in some of those cases how long did this have you guys uh, down for well uh, so we found out about it on Sunday uh, and uh, like I said went in and and shut down everything you could or unplugged other stuff uh, continued to try to figure out where they have uh, infiltrated. And luckily, um, we had recently uh, renewed our cyberware um, insurance we had. Uh, and the thought occurred that we should call the insurance company and let them know. Uh, immediately upon calling the insurance company, they have a, a total expert group uh, that they then turn you over to. And depending on what type of attack is happening, uh, will determine the experts you have. But they immediately give you a forensics attack. Uh, company to start figuring out what's going on, who immediately is, uh, gets into your network and starts figuring out to what extent you've been hit. Then they have a cyber attorney to figure out uh, what kind of communications, if any, you should be doing and who you should contact uh, as far as authorities, if any. And then uh, they also, in this case, give you uh, what's known as a negotiating team if you determine that uh, you want to negotiate uh, for the code to unlock uh, what they have locked up. And so that was a great call because that forensics company, uh, as soon as we could get them in, was able to help our team substantially and figure out uh, what was going on, to what extent, uh, and was able to find additional places to shut down so that they could not continue to do stuff. The other thing they figured out, though, in short order, which was unfortunate, is they had actually gotten in two days earlier 
and had found uh, where we had been doing our backups. That's typically what they do is they try to figure out what they can access and then they figure out where you're doing your backups so they can totally delete and destroy all your backups so that you're unable to restore to previous days so that you are truly um, shut down until you can figure out how to unlock or actually scrub the computers and start over. Wow. So they, yeah, they were making sure you wouldn't just lose a day. You were going to lose everything you had backed up. So what was, what happened next then? What did they, I mean, with ransomware, was there some kind of demand that they made or you said the negotiating team was there? What did you learn about the folks who were, were doing this and, and did they make any kind of demands? So, yes. Um, so, uh, one of the things that happened shortly after, um, well, I guess, actually prior to him making the call to me on Sunday, was that uh, one of our employees had uh, noticed that there was stuff spitting out on our fax machines, uh, our printers that were part of the network, and uh, was saying something about, you know, go to this website uh, if you want your system restored and find out what your demand is. Um, So they were like, what is this? And so that was actually the website you needed to go to to be in contact with the folks that uh, had initiated this attack and would tell you what it is you uh, would need to pay them to get the code to unlock it. And the ransomware team immediately uh, figures out who are we dealing with? What does this code look like? Uh, Have we dealt with these people before? Uh, Are they likely to provide the code or not? Um, And then they go through a process of pretending to be... uh, us, the telephone companies, and not a ransomware uh, negotiating company so that um, they can understand who we're dealing with, to what extent we have negotiating leverage power, what they know about our financial situation as to what we can afford to pay. Um, so that was interesting to listen to them tell us that, well, you're lucky on one extent that, hey, these are new guys. You're unlucky on another extent to know whether or not we can trust them. So the next step uh, they do is they actually... Ask, ask you to pride them what you think are a couple of uh, files that would likely be pictures to send to them and ask them to uh, send their code to the, or take a code and unlock those files on a site that both of you can see uh, and then figure out whether they actually will decrypt that file so you can then see the photo. And so that was the next step we took and it worked. Okay, so so things were things were promising then, but but while this is going on, so I guess this starts on a Sunday, um, but that Monday, you had employees coming into work um, to you know to to do their jobs. So I guess number one, uh, one of the first concerns I imagine will be checking and seeing how the customers, how the members are impacted. Um, but how did you go about communicating a with the staff and then b with any customers that that were impacted by this? Yeah, so this started uh, to be more chronologically accurate uh, for whoever's listening. It started at 6 p.m. on a Sunday. uh, And by the time we uh, got to midnight on Sunday, uh, we were starting to understand what had all been affected and what all had to be shut down. Um, And by Monday at 8 a.m., we were... um, had everything down and the forensics uh, company was in looking at what they could look at and determining uh, if there's any additional malicious software that's going on or any additional attack holes that could be exploited. So your staff walks in the door and you tell them all they can't touch anything. Um, They cannot use a single computer. They can't access any 
of the data we have anywhere. Uh, and their first question is, okay, so when the phone starts ringing, how do we take care of problems? How do we turn up new customers? How do we solve exactly. any billing question, anything? And the answer is you can't. You have no information, zero. And so wow. what we did is uh, we actually took our phones and put them on our after-hours answering service, told the answering service uh, that we would not be able to open a day due to unforeseen circumstances, and they should just take calls and forward them uh, to us. So that's what we did as all staff got all of their computers and started to work with the IT department and this forensic company to basically go through each computer to figure out what's been affected on an individual computer basis. And I know you guys are spread out through a couple of offices. So this was this was all of the all of the different offices. It wasn't just one where you could move folks around. It was everything. It was everything because they hit the main server that we would call our network server. So it's the server that has access to get into everything. So if you want to send a print job out, if you want to access the phone system, if you want to look at any of our billing system, accounting system, get into the switch, get into what we use, the Calyx equipment, you couldn't because you couldn't access the main server. Wow. Yeah, so pretty much, pretty much everything. Um, so the good news, I guess, if there was any good news, is most of your, aside from the folks who were calling in or trying to, you know, change something on their account, those during that time, um, there were not there were not widespread network outages or anything like that. So at least at least you had that going for you. Correct. Yeah, it had not affected any service to any customer that was not hosting anything on our network. Now, we did have two customers that were hosting their phone system with us uh, that were affected. But other than that, no, no services, no internet, no cable TV, no telephone services were affected. We just couldn't see it. We couldn't access it. But the fact that no customer was calling in with any complaint, and of course, we reached out to some friendly people to see if their service was working. And of course, we had our own employees look at their services, see if they were working. And everything was working. So that, you know, that was the lucky part. This was truly a ransomware right. attack, and they just wanted to lock us up and make us pay them to unlock it, is what this was about. So did the forensics team find anything out? I mean, do we know if this was domestic or abroad, or do they know anything about who these folks were? You said they were kind of new guys to the, the business, I guess it's the business, the, the criminal enterprise, whatever it is. Uh, did they find anything more about who these people were? Yeah, so... Um, they did. Um, they were able to tell us that it was uh, one of the Baltic, um, how they, I can't remember exactly what I said, but basically stuff that broke away from the Russian Federation and Baltic kind of state situation. Sure. And mm-hmm. um, that they had uh, accessed our network uh, through one of our employees. However, they had done a good job of erasing their tracks, so they could not tell specifically which employee. All they could tell is it initiated through email and that somebody either clicked on something embedded in an email or went to a site from an email and clicked on something that let this in. Um, so it was interesting. That's simple. Yeah, it was interesting to all Yikes. the training you seem to do to your employees. Somebody made a mistake, and, and I, there's just no way, in my opinion, to stop it from happening because, I mean, you're looking at 30 employees getting, you know, 50, 60 emails a day. Eventually, somebody's going to click on something the way it looks. Um, right. The good part is, of course, is you learn afterwards what you can segregate what they so that they cannot get to certain things. Now we do have uh, completely new 
uh, software that we use internally to monitor. We have new software that every employee is required to use. We have different authentication service that we do. So we had thought we had put good things in place, but uh, evidently not good enough. Got it. So, and I guess it's like a lot of, um, you know, a lot of things we've had folks on um, after they've, uh, you know, we recorded podcasts with with folks after they've gone through a hurricane, you know, or an ice storm or different things like that. And, and that's when they work on their um, disaster plan is, is after, um, after it happens, they'll have a good plan for the next time. So what kind of things, you, you mentioned a few of them there, um, but in terms of a plan for anything like this, I, I guess, number one, did you have very much um, of a plan in place or a playbook as to what to do if this happened? And then number two, is that is that anything you guys have been um, developing since then to be ready in case uh, in case it ever happens again? So, yeah, we had um, plans in place, disaster recovery plans. We had plans in place on um, if certain services went down or certain things were attacked, you know, as far as services. But in this case, um, since it was just our server locking basically us out of accessing any of that and our customers still up, we really didn't have a good plan for that. And we actually went to day two telling our after hour service to do exactly the same thing. And on day three, when we uh, started to take a few calls because we got a couple of uh, clean laptops from our telephone association and their disaster recovery vehicle, um, which had a couple of clean laptops that had never been on our network uh, and got those booted up and started to be able to access our billing system and our accounting system, we started taking calls. But there was rumors going around town about all the things that could have happened at Federated because it was very unusual. And one of the more entertaining to me was that uh, Kevin Byer had died and they didn't know what to do. So they shut everything down to uh, in the offices until they could figure out what to do. <laughs> so uh, on, the, well, on day three, I went uptown and got meals for everybody. So everybody in uh, one of our towns at least could see that I was alive and uh, right. wash that one. We are happy to break news on this podcast that Kevin Byer is alive and well. So we're glad <laughs> we're glad to hear that. Yeah, there was, I mean, there was OSHA things that people were talking about. There was uh, all kinds of weird little things going around in different towns. So uh, communication plans sure. is an important thing that we hadn't thought about is how do you necessarily communicate to the public properly? Unforeseen circumstances doesn't work long enough. So... Sure. When a lack of information, people are going to make up their own um, information for sure. So, uh, and that brings me kind of the, the last thing I was going to ask you about. Um, maybe we'll talk more about that communications plan. Uh, but, but what advice do you have for folks? Either um, uh, I guess we could talk about folks who haven't gone through a ransomware attack, but particularly if this ever does happen to folks who are out there, um, you know, other um, independent telcos like yourself. Um, what what advice do you have for folks who are going through something uh, like that? So anything that you may have learned through the process? Yeah, so uh, two things I think more along the the internal workings with your employees is uh, so day day one day two <clears throat> I noticed immediately that there was a I would call it a kind of a chaotic frantic um, atmosphere within the different offices that was going on. And everybody was trying to talk to the IT folks and IT folks were like, can't answer all your questions. I'm trying to do work here. I'm trying to figure out what's going on and get these computers cleaned and figure out which ones are affected. And I don't have time to answer. So uh, long short there is you, you need somebody to be the person in the office. That's not part of the team that's restoring or dealing with the computers to answer the questions 
to the staff and communicate with what I would call the IT department. So that became me. Everybody that's not IT comes to me. I go to IT. You don't have everybody asking them questions and trying to deal with all the different folks there. So you need that piece. Uh, have a that's good insight centralized person, and then figure out your uh, message to the public. Because one thing you don't want to tell the public is we've been hit with ransomware, we've been hit with a cyber attack. Because then they all freak out about their information, what was compromised, and in this case, nothing was. So it's a good thing we never said it. We never actually had to make any notifications to anyone because nobody's information was taken, nobody's was copied or downloaded. They were able to tell that they simply locked everything up. So we didn't need to freak people out about their personal information. And that's another thing your employees are wondering about, all their personal information. None of that was compromised. Sure. So those are things we learned. And now we use an authentication software um, additional. Uh, we, we chose a company called Thycotic. Um, there are other ones out there. And we also determined as we were going through that that we needed to let all employees uh, do their personal stuff on Thycotic as well as the company stuff because otherwise they have two different systems or two different pieces of software they're using to store their passwords. And you don't want them storing their company information, company passwords on their personal. So this way you allow them to store their personal on the company. That makes sense. I'm sure there were a, a lot of lessons learned. It's interesting you, you mentioned that response vehicle. Was that um, was that with the MTA, the IRV um, vehicle they had there that you said was able to come help out with laptops? Yes, and I'm happy to report that after our uh, incident, they now have, I believe, uh, six additional uh, clean computers that if anyone else gets hit, they are able to bring clean computers, never been on your network. You can uh, get up and go much quicker because th- those, those two were huge, but I wish I would have had a dozen. Nice. Well, that's that brings it kind of full circle. We had had um, Brent from the... Uh, uh, the association on it's been a couple of years, but we had him on talking about Irv when they rolled it out there. So now we have heard. Uh, obviously, you wish you didn't have to use it, but it's good to have a resource like that um, that y'all did. So no, that's that's fun that the um, the podcast comes full circle there. I guess so. That's great. Yeah, and we actually used um, Irv the the vehicle itself as one of our offices because we tried to get everybody into one of our three offices so that we could communicate properly and have access to everybody's computers. Uh, laptops. We had everything brought to that one location. And so we needed extra space. So it actually worked as office space as well. Got it. Well, Kevin, I appreciate the uh, the insight there. I think it's something hopefully that uh, the listeners out there won't have to deal with. But if they are, uh, if they ever do, I think they'll be better prepared having uh, heard that that story from you guys. So thanks for taking the time. You're welcome. Take care, Andy. He is Kevin Beyer. He is the uh, CEO and general manager at Federated and Farmers Mutual Telephone uh, Cooperatives up in Minnesota. And I'm your host, Andy Johns with Word South. Until we talk again, keep telling your story. You've been listening to Story Connect, the podcast, a production of Word South, a content marketing company.